I suppose a lot of you guys were here last week, but probably a lot of you guys weren't too, where Andy talked about the root. This series, this year is called Root or Roots. It's called Roots for a reason. You just saw the film, What We Want, What We Desire is to be rooted in the fundamental truths of God. We want to be rooted in, not easily moved or shaken about. And we saw the downward, we saw the root in the video. What else all comes out of root? Growth, above ground, and now we look at fruit. <clears throat> so as we go through the series this year in Cross Life, we'll look at the root. Last week, Andy talked about the root. Second Corinthians, or excuse me, Second Timothy 3.16, all scriptures, God breathed, or is God's breath, and it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correction, and for training in righteousness. That is the root. What is the word? What is, what is the Bible? It's sufficiency for our life. It's, uh, it's inerrancy. It's other things like that. This week, we're going to talk about the fruit. What is the fruit of the Bible? How does that play out in our life? How does those truths, that doctrine that Andy taught us last week, how does that play out in our lives? Before we do that, I wanted to try to summarize last week with a, <clears throat> an anonymous, I don't think I'd call it a poem, but at least a, a short story here, a short description of what the Bible is. It says this book, referring to this one, this book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are bindings. Its histories are true. And its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be saved, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's compass. Or the, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Christ is its subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It's given to you in this life. will be opened at the judgment and will be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its contents. That is the Word of God. <clears throat> that is the Bible. And we'd be foolish to establish our ministry or to teach from anything else other than the root of the Bible. So why should we get to know and observe the Bible? Why should we spend this time weekly getting into the Word? First Peter 2, 2 tells us what it helps us to grow in our salvation. If you're a Christian, it helps you to grow. It sanctifies you. Psalms 119, from which uh, Nate read earlier, is a psalm about God's Word. It says this, it helps us to not sin against God. It produces reverence and it helps provide guidance. Or it is a light into our path and a lamp into our feet. Second Timothy 2.15 tells us that studying it helps us to be approved before God as a workman, unashamed. We don't study the Bible for simply the sake of knowing the Bible better. Rather, the Word of God is studied because the divine Word lends itself to tremendous change in your life. So before we go on, I want to pass out just uh, some sheets <clears throat> to help you, to help guide you guys along. I get going in these lessons, and I just I go and go and go, and I talk. And so I want to have some guys pass out uh, something that'll help you uh, follow along with me as we go. Thanks, Andy. While they're doing that, think on this: Jeremiah fifteen. 16. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. I think about this sometimes when I think about the Word and what my role or responsibility is. And I say this every time I pass out sheets, but uh, what are you going to do when you pass out sheets? You're going to look at the whole lesson and get ahead of me, but stick with me, would you? Stick with me on that sheet and stay with me as we go through. I promise we'll get through the whole thing uh, before 10 if you stick with me. So no, it won't be quite that long. Once he gets those things passed out, we'll, uh, we'll pray together. <clears throat> Why don't you guys join me in prayer? We'll ask the Lord's help for tonight, His blessing as we get going here. Lord, I'm reminded again and again as we pray before you and as we commit this night to prayer that you are holy above all else. You're entirely separate and different, and so we don't want to approach you in a trifle manner or too quickly or with other things on our mind. Your word says that those whom approach you must regard you as holy. 
you must be regarded as holy. And so we want to do that. I want to do that now, Lord, as you are gracious to help me teach and instruct and as you help others to listen, as you show your favor to tonight. Lord, would you produce fruit from the root that is your word? Would you be pleased with tonight the fellowship, the prayer, the breaking of bread, the the teaching, all these things? Would you get glory for yourself through the group tonight, a group of folks, some redeemed, some not? Pray that you'd open the eyes of those who are here who don't know you and that you'd save them, Lord. That you'd encourage the believers on, spur them on in Christ-likeness. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, Your words were found, and I ate them. <laughs> That's really something, isn't it? Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Your words were found, and I did eat them. I ate your words. Quite the picture, isn't it? How do we eat the word? What does it look like to digest the word, to eat the word, to take it in? How do these things flush out? Well, primarily two areas I want to focus on tonight. Corporate teaching, corporate teaching and personal study. The first is corporate feeding. That's what we're doing tonight. That's what we do on Sunday morning. Paul says in Romans ten seventeen. so faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? Well, hearing the word of God. Not hearing Tanner, not hearing Andy. Hearing teachers instruct in the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And that's why uh, things like what St. Francis of Assisi says doesn't work. Preach the gospel, always use words when necessary. It doesn't make any sense in light of Scripture. Because Paul says, only a couple verses earlier in 14, how will they call on him if they haven't heard? And how are they to believe in him if they haven't heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? They must hear. You must hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You don't read the word by watching someone's life. Now, hopefully someone's life is a testimony and a manifestation of what the scripture says and how it impacts their lives. But faith must come by hearing or by reading. So in a salvific sense, in a, in a saving sense, hearing the word or reading the word is of utmost importance. But it's also important in a sanctifying sense. In fact, Luke eleven twenty eight says this. What do you want to do if you, if you want to be blessed? Simple. Jesus says, hear the word and keep it. Hear the word and keep it. So if you're a believer, you ought to hear the word and keep it. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Since it is, that's why the corporate feeding of God's word is so important. That's why it's so important you make Sunday morning a priority. I'm not a Christian because I go to church. No, you're right. But if you're a Christian, you do go to church. Because you get fed on the word of God. And if you're a Christian, you want to be fed on the word of God. You want to grow in salvation. Corporate teaching. That's why Sunday mornings are special and unique. There's something special about hearing the word of God. And you know, we're talking in the office even earlier today. And the, what it means to hear someone tell you something. Even the difference between someone actually saying, I love you. And how much more with the word of God. The word of God is powerful. Hear. Hear the word of God. One, if you have a Bible for you to turn to Nehemiah. Nehemiah. That's in the Old Testament before Psalms. It's between Esther and Ezra. Between the two E's. And go to chapter 8 in Nehemiah with me, please. Something pretty profound in here that's uh, kind of hiding, but it's a pretty incredible passage I want to share with you. Corporate teaching. Chapter 8. And start with me. Start with me in verse 3. This is talking about Ezra. Verse 2. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. What's going on here? Ezra's reading the scrolls, and he's reading for the first time since the Babylonian exile. So it's been a while. This is supposed to happen once a year, or once every seven years, excuse me. But this hasn't happened for a long time. So everyone's gathered. Everyone who can understand Men, women, children, all who can understand. Then verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden, wooden podium which they'd made for this purpose. Beside him stood Matthiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah. The list goes on and on. Verse 5, Ezra opened the book inside of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. When he opened it, all the people stood up. <clears throat> 
It says all the people stood up. You ever been to a church where they make you stand when the word of God is read? You ever think about that? I've been, but I never really thought about it. These people stood for six hours as the word of God was read. Why? Out of respect. They stood from morning till noonday while Ezra and all the scribes read the word, but they didn't just read it. Listen to this. Verse 6, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Those of you who were here the first night when Andy talked about, or excuse me, when uh, Lonnie talked about part of what worship looks like and what we hope to accomplish with music here at, great, or at uh, Cross Life, they worshipped the Lord. They bowed low. They paid homage. Psalms 2 says says it this way, they kissed the son, or they paid homage to the Lord, they worshipped him. Verse 7, also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jim, and Akub. list goes on down, it says the Levites explained the law, listen to this, the Levites, Caesar priests, explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. Verse 8, they read from the book, from the law of God, translating it to give the sense so that they could understand the reading. What's going on here? For six hours, these people are learning and being instructed and taught on the Word of God. They're feeding corporately on the Word of God. What's the result? They raise their hands to heaven. They shout amen. They bow with their faces low to the ground, and they praise God. They stood out of respect. They worshiped. That's the reason the pastor teacher doesn't just stand in front of everyone and read the word of God. That's why it's so important to be in a skilled instructor, someone who can instruct you in the word of God says someone who can stand in front of you and say, thus says the Lord. He reads the scripture and he says, this is what it means. He reads the scripture. He says, this is what it means. Corporate teaching, the feeding, get it, the taking in the food of the word. The fruit of the word is skilled teaching, instruction, feeding you receive in public gatherings, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Friday night, whatever the case. You and I as believers need to hear the word of God. We must feed on the word of God. That's why it's so important. We're in a place that's not only reading the word of God, but instructing in it. Are you being instructed in the word of God? Are you getting a steak? Are you getting steak and eggs Sunday morning? You know what I mean? I've been fed on the Word of God. I've been fed on the Word of God. Last week, Andy mentioned that you can use the Bible to just say about anything you want, can't you? Right? I mean, every cult is based somehow, would, would claim this not as the only authority, not as the absolute authority, would, but it would probably at least acknowledge it. Most cults embrace the Bible in some form or fashion, but they twist it. They add on to it. They do whatever they want to it. They're not careful with it. And there's some places, there's many places, brothers and sisters, who do that. Be under good teaching. There are wolves among the flock who will not instruct the body. Be under good teaching. The, the corporate teaching of God's word is so important. I won't talk about that often, but I want you to understand, even though that's... Listen, there's an independence about our generation, isn't there? You look at us, and we like to be off on our own. It's interesting, isn't it? With technology, we can kind of isolate ourselves more and, and uh, I don't have to go to church on Sunday morning or Friday night because guess what? Cross Life is on iTunes on a podcast, and so I don't have to be in the body, and we are independent people. But we must be together. We must fellowship as a body. It is so important. I know that's an unpopular thing, but boy, that's important. Corporate teaching, feed on the Word of God together, fellowship with other believers here tonight and, uh, and at a body on Sunday morning. I don't mean to give the illusion that grace is the only church by any means. But be in a body, be in a church, be under a shepherd who can instruct you and feed you on the word of God. You tracking with me? Yeah? Good. First Timothy 4.3 says this, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation. That means challenge, exhortation, I'm exhorting you, and to teaching. What's the fruit of the root? The fruit of the root is good, consistent corporate feeding and teaching on the precious truths of God, God's word. Are you getting fed? Are you getting fed? Are you growing in respect to your salvation? Now, I spent uh, about six weeks in Australia one summer. And I was down there. It was while well, I was still at MSU. I graduated a year and a half ago. But still, while I was there, and I was playing ball, and I was eating a lot. <laughs> 
I mean, stupid amounts of food, and I couldn't get enough to eat because I didn't have enough money to get enough food to eat. So most of the time I was... I wasn't suffering by any means. Don't get me wrong. I've been spoiled my whole life. But there's a lot of times there I was hungry. But once a week we'd go to the mall. And in the mall, I've told some of you this, this story. In the mall we'd go to a place. And uh, there's a big food court. And uh, there's a Chinese place. And it wasn't all you could eat. But it was all you could stack on your plate. And so what I'd do is I'd make a wall of egg rolls around my plate. Right? <laughs> and I would just heap food into there. That was my once a week feeding. I would just gorge myself in a ridiculous manner. I would just eat and eat. I know I wasn't going to feed the rest of the week. Now you laugh because that's silly, isn't it? Why would you do something like that? Listen, you need to nourish yourself on regular meals. I try and eat many times a day, small meals. You need to nourish yourself. And you laugh, but is it any different, brothers and sisters, with yourself? Are you getting gorged once a week at church and then suffering the rest of the week, fasting, going on a famine for lack of personal study? The second area is individual feeding. You need to be fed individually. Okay, You need to be in personal Bible study. Let me get underneath you fellas' feet here real quick. <clears throat> What's this? Huh? It's a sword, isn't it? It's a big broadsword. Bible and God's wisdom and his inspiration, he inspired many pictures of God's word, but one is the sword, right? It's a big broad sword. But that's not what God meant when he said in uh, Ephesians 6, verse 17, he didn't mean a big broad sword. What he meant was one like this, 12 to 18, 18 inches long, a sword, a precise weapon, one that can be welded easily, not flinging it around. I wouldn't know the first thing to do with something like this. Drop Austin's head off. I wouldn't know what to do, right? This is inaccurate. I'm not a skilled swordsman anyway. But with this, right, I can dice and I can chop. That's what the word means. It's referring to a small blade, a sharp blade. This is the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Listen, you need to be able to learn how to weld one of these. So you're not taking Scripture and doing whatever you want with it. That happens in personal Bible study. Okay. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. This is sharp. The word of God is sharper than two, any two-edged sword, able to divide soul and spirit, joint and marrow, able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It says man is laid bare before God, before his word. You know what happens when we study the Bible individually? We learn and we grow in respect to salvation. Just like First Peter 2, 2 says, we need to learn to rightly divide the word of truth. Marshall McLuhan says it this way, the best way to avoid God, never be alone, always listen to music. Right? <laughs> what are you doing? You're in our generation, you men, you women, you're hardly ever alone. And if you are, you're almost always listening to music. We must be alone with God. We must be quiet before God and read His Word. Next week we'll talk about prayer. Are you alone with God? Are you taking time to be separate, to be shut away with your King, with your Master? 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman, rightly dividing the Word of truth, correctly, diligently studying being disciplined, rightly handling the word of truth. I want to give you some sort of real practical things tonight to help you handle the word well. Sometimes we wrongly assume, I'm speaking about Andy and I in particular, that everyone here just knows how to have a time alone with the Lord. That each of you are engaging in daily personal Bible study, that you're unfolding God's word, that you rightly know how to do that, but that's an incorrect assumption. We realize that that doesn't just happen. It takes discipline, it takes diligence. You'll see there on your sheet, I've written frivolous and loose handlings of the word result in dangerous doctrines, poor application, and confused Christians. Okay? So we're going to talk about just some practical tips to help divide the word of truth. Now, we only have a, a short time here tonight, but this is so important, so listen in. This is, uh, this is hermeneutics 101 scrunched into 40 minutes, okay? So listen up. Here's, I'm going to start with don't. These are a few common mistakes to avoid, okay? 
This might be kind of funny, but this is serious too. Okay. So often down through history and even today, men are doing whatever they want with the word. A few common stakes to avoid. Super spiritualizing the text. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, well, Paul says that in a race, all runners run. And runners have tennis shoes. And some of those tennis shoes are Nikes. And Nikes have shoelaces. And shoelaces get tied in knots. And sometimes we have knots in our life. And we need to tie up our shoes really tight and knot the bad things out of our life. And it goes on and on and on, right? That's super spiritualizing the text. That's not what the Word of God says. Okay, you just get you just get on a carrying on and on. Rightly divide the word of truth. Don't super spiritualize the text. Read the text for literal interpretation. God, in His sovereignty, has written a, a beautiful and complete and a sufficient word, and it all agrees with itself. Don't take it out and do what you want with it. Here's something I've heard, and it stuck with me. Pastor Brian says it says. If the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense. Right? Somebody's shaking your heads. You've heard that. If the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense. So if you're reading the Word of God and you see it and that makes sense to you, don't try and make 16 other senses out of that. Don't try and take that and go into the Nike shoes and the knots and whatever else. Okay, stick with it. Two, superficial. How often have you heard this? What does this text mean to you? What, what does this verse mean to you? So I don't, I don't mean to be nitpicky here, but this is so important. I don't care what that verse means to you, but I do care what God meant when he inspired that verse. Okay? And this applies to our community groups. I know a lot of you just want to go to a study where you can um, just talk about how you're feeling or what this verse means to you and there should there will be a healthy dialogue in those community groups and a discussion and a feeding on the word but there's a reason why there's men and women we trust in those studies to correctly handle to rightly handle the word of truth so it's not 16 people sitting around going well this verse means this to me I'm not trying to be hypercritical, but do you know what I mean? Have you seen that? I've done that in my own life. We must correctly, we must rightly handle the word of truth. Listen, here's a good rule to remember, and it's on your sheet. There's one correct interpretation. There's one correct interpretation. There's many applications. Okay, God meant what he said and said what he meant, but that can be applied in a number of ways in your life. Three, context. Context. Context and proper meaning are so important. God wrote a whole Bible. He inspired a whole Bible. Okay, not just one verse to be picked out and isolated. Let me give you a few examples. Again, I'm not trying to pick on certain people or groups. I just want a couple examples here. Matthew 18, 20, where two or more are gathered, there I am also. How many times have we used this and said, well, since two or three of us are together, God must be here with us also. Is there anything special about two or three people? No. What does that verse mean in context? What's being talked about in Matthew 18? It's church discipline or church restoration. Okay, It's talking about how to restore a brother in sin. So there's a sense in which when godly men, when elders especially are gathered in a church to discuss a matter and they give their bidding, God is there in a special supportive way over that decision. Now, where two or three are gathered, is God there? You bet. God has given us, he's regenerated us with the Holy Spirit, and he now indwells believers. So is God here? You bet. You bet he is. But be careful with context. Revelation 3.20, we've talked about, we haven't talked about this, but this one comes up a lot. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice, let him come and I will enter. So often referred to Jesus being pictured. You guys have all seen the picture, haven't you? Standing at a doorway and thunk, thunk, thunk. It's pictured as the door to a believer's heart. What does this verse mean in context? We can't just take this and pull this out of the book of Revelation. And in particular, chapter 3. Because Jesus is speaking. He's speaking to a specific church. He's saying if that church will repent, if it will stop being lukewarm but either become hot or cold, he will enter that church. He will regenerate that church. Okay, So be careful with the context of scriptures. here's another one I don't it's not on your paper but remember this one don't hit the snooze button (laughs) right 
What prevents us often from getting in the Word? Sleeping in. Don't hit the snooze button. I don't want to. I don't want you to be terrified as you step into the Word. I don't want to discourage you from getting in the Word. I want to encourage you to get in the Word. So let's go to some do's. Look on your sheet there. Diligent, careful, and accurate handling of the Word of Truth results in good teaching, Christ-like living, and repentant lives. Second Timothy two fifteen. Rightly dividing the word of truth. The Greek there is spoutison, and it means to be earnest or hasten, to be eager, to be zealous in the word. Hermeneutics is the science and art of Bible interpretation, and its main ingredient, or at least one of its main ingredients, is hard work. That's why what Chase read in the announcements was so important, was so pertinent to what we're talking about. We're a, we're a generation of push buttons, are we not? But study in the Word takes hard work. It takes hard work. You know what Proverbs 2, 4 says we ought to do with wisdom? We had to search for it like it's buried treasure. We had to go after the Word. We had to dive in. We had to spend time looking into and not easily give up on the Word. You'll have the tools after tonight, Lord willing, at least a taste of it to be able to do this. But this will be ha- perhaps become the biggest obstacle course for us. It's hard work must take hard work. Some of you study so diligently with your studies in school, don't you? Either at the Bible college or at MSU or some of you guys are in the workplace and you work so hard. Work hard at the scriptures. Okay, Be diligent in the word. Remember one pastor I was listening to is talking about sermon preparation. He said, take a he envisioned it as a chain, but I think he did it with a sock. He'd tie a sock around his ankle and then to his chair and he wouldn't get up. Do he's done studying. Because what do we want? I mean, I tell you, I'll sit down at the desk and I'll start studying. I want to get up and go do something. We got to be diligent in the Word. Work hard at it. Work hard at it. Studying and rightly dividing the Word of truth takes practice and labor. To be eager and zealous for the Word. Watch out for new news. Okay? Nobody's got a new way of interpreting Scripture all of a sudden. There's, no, there's nothing new under the sun. There's not, somebody doesn't going to come along and say, wow, I found a revolutionary way to interpret this passage. Let's look at Acts 17.11. It says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these were so. You've heard about the noble Bereans. These are them. Look at what it says. They, they received the word with eagerness. Boy, they took it in. I hope you're in the audience tonight, not because I'm some dynamic speaker, because I'm some anything, because I'm not, but I hope you're sitting out there receiving it with eagerness, taking in the word, going, good, I want to feed. I want to get more like Christ today. They received it. What did they do when, when the apostles came? They said, I want to take that in. I'm going to eager for the word. And then look at what they did. They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So what did they do? Same thing you should do. You take what I said tonight and you hold it up against the Word of God. If it matches up against the Word of God, then praise God. Take it, learn it, apply it. And if it doesn't, throw it away. Okay? Receive the Word with eagerness, zealousness, and watch out for new news. Watch out for new news. Consult studied men, commentaries, concordances, other references. Listen, there are so many good studies out there, so many good commentaries. I want to show you one. Kyle, if you'd pull that thing up. I just wanted to show you something real practical, real quick. Uh, a lot of things, first thing you'll do is go to Google. And uh, that can be good and it can be real dangerous too. I just wanted to touch on this because we're such an internet generation. So type in Second Timothy 2.15 for me up there, Kyle. Second Timothy 2.15. He's going to Google that and that's going to come up. Now there's all kinds, I mean you could go anywhere. But there's one third one down. It says Bible.cc. Go to that one, Online Parallel Bible. This is one of several good ones, but this is the one I use. It's called Biblos.com. See Second Timothy up there. If you'll scroll down a little bit, you'll see Parallel Translations, NIV, NLT. Don't use that one. ESV, <laughs> NASB, King James. Okay, it's got some good translations there. Now scroll back up. On the right, you see cross-references. There's all kinds of cross-references there. Romans 6, 13. Uh, good. Yeah, you clicked on cross-references. So you scroll down through that, you'll see all sides of, okay, this scripture reminds me of this, or has the same sort of phrasing, so I want to go over to that. Can you scroll back up? Good. Click on the comment tab there. Comment. 
Okay, there's a lot of real poor commentaries out there, but this site contains some really good ones. Parallel commentaries. Up there you see Barnes notes on the Bible. Keep scrolling. Uh, Clark's commentary. Keep scrolling. Gill's. Keep going. I mean, there's Vincent's go. uh, Wesley's Geneva. People's. Uh, James Facet Barnes, Matthew Henry, an old Puritan. Okay, good commentary. I just wanted to throw that up there to say, use resources. Get something in hardback. Look around. Be diligent. Study. You know what I mean? I just go to Proverbs 3 and say, I'm going to read Proverbs 3, and then I'm going to go about my thing. But dig in a little bit. Dig your heels in. Four, remember context. Remember context. I'll state it in the negative before. I'll state it in the positive now. Context is everything. Okay? Context. Don't take it out of context. Ask good questions. Who, what, why, when, where, how. Ask those about the passage. Look for key words, key subjects, commands, warning, repeated words or phrases, comparisons, questions, answers, anything unusual or unexpected. Okay. Look, dive into the Word. You see what I mean here? Are you encouraged to dive into the Word a little bit? Okay, don't just read it and take it, but go. Get a good study Bible. Take this simple tool. Look on your sheet there. Specs. Is there sin to forsake, a promise to claim, an example to follow, a command to obey, or a stumbling block to avoid? Huh? Look through those things. Chances are in the passage there's one of those. Is there a sin that you need to forsake? Remember, Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is sharp and active. It's going to divide soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it will judge the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Often when I finish reading, I go, man, I need to repent. <laughs> I realized because I read that that there's a sin in my life that I need to get rid of. Okay? Is there a promise to claim? Is there an example to follow? Meditation. Meditation and memorization. Now, you can't stay home and read the Bible all day, can you? Nope. You don't have from six till noon like Ezra had or the people had. Sometimes you do. But you need to take what you're learning in the mornings, preferably, or at night. And meditate and memorize it. So as you're in class or as you're at work or you're roaming through the halls or you're driving down the streets and someone cuts you off, you can think on a verse. That's what I do. One of the areas I really struggle is driving. I want to get someplace fast and some cat jumps in front of me and I got to think on a verse. You take it with you. Andy was saying this week... uh, and he's right. The personal reading of Bible or the Bible is relatively new. And they used to memorize large chunks of Scripture. You see Jesus quoting Scripture, Old Testament Scripture in the in the New Testament. He's not only authenticating that Scripture, but he's had that memorized. And as he brings that up, people know what he means. Memorize, meditate on the Word of God. Okay, don't take for granted that you have a personal Bible. And if you don't, we've got some for you. Come see us. Get a personal Bible. Okay. Read it, memorize it, meditate it, and take it out into the day with you. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen says this, Therefore, lay up these words of mine in your heart and soul. Lay them up. Keep them in there. Okay? What Christ do to overcome sin? You guys remember? Devil says this. So devil says this. What does Jesus do? Uh-uh. Word of God says this. And he defeats sin. Through the memorization of Scripture, he defeats temptation through the memorization of Scripture. What does a young man do to keep his way pure? What does he do? He hides his word in his heart. He says, I've, Psalmist says, I've hidden my word in your, hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hide thy word in thy heart. Memorize, meditate on the word. Psalms 40, verse 8. I love this one. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is written within my heart. When the word is treasured and his name highly prized, our desires more closely match our actions. I've hidden that word in my heart. I delight to do your will. It's almost like there's a, uh, an urgency there. Your word says, seek my face. Or you say to me, seek my face. And the psalmist says, my heart says to you, your face, O oh Lord, I'll seek. It's almost a lurching, a desire to do God's word. We've based uh, our root study, we've rooted it in <laughs> Psalms 1, 
1 through 3, it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on it he meditates day and night. On his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf doesn't wither, and all that he does he prospers. He's rooted in, and he's not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere because she's got the Word of God rooted in her life. Meditation is prayerful reflection on Scripture. Joshua one eight, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Meditate on the Word. Ready? Three. Here we go. Application. Application. This part of the Bible study process takes the truths that have been learned the truths that have been observed and seeks to incorporate them into everyday life and practice. You can apply what you learned. James one twenty two challenges says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Be doers of the word. Do the word. Do the word. Okay, take it and apply what you've learned. God, our, uh, our bulletin, uh, Pastor Brian, outlines what he's teaching on the end of it. Sunday mornings, it used to say this. It said, God did not give you his word to make you a smarter sinner. He gave you it to make you more like your son, his son. Catch that? God did not give you his word to make you a smarter sinner. Uh-uh. He gave you it to make you more like his son. Apply what you learned. Take what you've learned and incorporate it into your life. Your responsibility by God's enabling is consistently apply these divine principles and truths you have heard. There's a couple questions to ask yourself. How does God want my belief or actions to change? Based on what I've learned, based on what I did, you can even ask yourself this tonight before you go to bed. Based on what I've learned, how does God want my beliefs or actions to change? Two, how can I accomplish this? Three, what is the first step towards bringing about this change? See, simple questions, but good questions, probing questions. How am I going to apply this? I want to challenge you to uh, to read the Bible on a yearly basis. There's great men down through history that have read the Bible on a daily basis. And I know men now that read the Bible on a daily basis and get through it in a year. It sounds kind of uh, daunting to me because I'm only 25. But I think of it, if I'm by the time I'm 45, if I've read the whole Bible through once a year for 20 years, that the mass of things that hopefully I'm going to be able to take in. There's a preacher who uses the analogy, excuse me, of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger when he came over from, where did he come from? Austria. Austria. I always forget that. When he came over from Austria, he was a mound of muscle, they say. He was just colossal. When he got to America, there's a reason he won Mr. Universe so many times. There's a reason he was the world's best bodybuilder. It's because he started out as a mound of muscle. I'm not a mound of muscle. <laughs> but he started out as one, and then he got to America, and he, and he used weights, and he fine-tuned his muscles. And he learned how to lift and shape and sculpt his body in ways to get definition. That's the same with taking in Scripture. We must take in large amounts of Scripture. And we must build our muscles strong, and then we must learn ways to take Scripture and study it deeper and find out how to get definition and more substance and right teaching in our lives. Does that make sense to you? You tracking with me? Yeah? Okay, so I want to challenge you to read, uh, read the Bible once a year. And, uh, I've given you some resources to be able to do that. Got some... Bible reading plans here. They're on cardstock, so they're a little bit heavier. Here's a 52-week Bible reading plan. Okay? One for every day. There it is. Okay? Here's a one-year Bible chronological plan. Every day. You want to read through it chronologically? Get one of these. The white, the green, they're all the same. You want to read through it topically or theologically? This one. Epistles, the law, history, psalms, poetry, prophecy, the gospels. Okay? I'm going to leave them up there. Go get one if you want. Start reading through the Bible. Start taking in Scripture for yourself, all right? Build a mound of muscle and then learn Sundays, Friday nights in personal Bible study how to tone your scriptural muscles to sculpt them to become not a great bodybuilder, but a great man or woman who handles the Word accurately.
<clears throat> now, one of the uh, excuses I hear super often, hey, Colin, you've been in the Word? Now, Colin wouldn't say this. We've talked about this, but you've been in the Word? You've been reading the Bible? Nah, man, I'm busy. You ever said that? Nah, man, I'm busy. Nah, girl, I'm busy. You wouldn't say that, would you? <laughs> busy. Busy. Don't tell me that. Okay? 168 hours a week. How are you going to spend them? 24 hours a day. How are you going to spend them? You getting tired of me talking about this yet? Okay, change it. Then get in the Word. Get in the Word. You've got time. Make time. Okay? Time won't just pop up. You're not going to be sitting there going, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. Maybe I should read the Bible. No, you'll have to make time. Many things, many places, many people asking a lot of your life right now. Your time is in demand. You must separate yourself and be alone with God. You see what I mean? You're tracking? You must be alone with God. No, you're not too busy. The word used many, uh, God and it's inspiration. <laughs> Which one of these am I going to unplug? <laughs> that one. <laughs> in his inspiration, he's used many pictures in his word uh, for the word, for the Bible. We talked about Ephesians 6.17. We talked about Hebrews 4.12, the sword. Many times in Jeremiah, particularly in 23, uses the word, compares it to, uh, to fire burning away. He uses many pictures. Other place he talks about the milk of the word, the meat of the word. He also talks about the bread of the word. And my kind friend Robert Hershey works at a bakery, and he got me a loaf of bread. It's awful kind of him. That's one of the braided ones. And in places it refers to God's word as the bread. In fact, listen to this. Job 22.12 says this, I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Can you say that? I thought, man, that's a big thing. I've treasured his word more than my necessary food. I know I can go without a meal, but I can't go. I've I got to get in that word. I've got to study. I've got to be shaped by the word. Not just a religious formality sense, not just to get your daily time in, but you got to feed. You ever been laying in bed at night and going, I just went through a whole day. Man, get out of bed. <laughs> go, go read something. I've treasured that word in my heart. I might not sin against you. Listen to Ezekiel 3.3. 3, he says to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give to you. Fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth, and it was sweet as honey. It was sweet as honey. I read Jeremiah fifteen sixteen earlier. Your words were found, and I did eat them. I ate them. Your word became a joy and the delight of my heart. I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. And the bread, the bread of the word. I have to get served up on some bread. Anybody like honey? Hmm? Who does? That cat does. Good. What's Psalm 19 say about the Word? Who studied in a community group? What's it say? Sweeter than honey in the drippings of the honeycomb. Chase, we had to memorize that. You should know that. The bread, the pure bread, the milk, the honey of the word. Let me read what Matthew Henry writes about it. He says this. Now stick with it. Matthew Henry is an old Puritan. Some of the language is kind of heavy, but it's good stuff. That the word of God, which he was employed to preach to others, he had experienced the power and pleasure of it in his own soul. And therefore, he had the graces of the spirit to qualify him for the divine favor as well as his gifts. We find some rejected of God who could, who yet could say, Lord, we have prophesied in thy name. Where's that from? Matthew 7. Jeremiah says, we found some who could say, I could prophesy in thy name. But Jeremiah could say more. Thy words were found by me. They were found by me. He searched the scriptures diligently and studied the law and found that in 
in which he was re- found that in which was reviving to him. If we seek, we shall find found for me. The words which he was to deliver others were laid ready to his hand and were brought to him by inspiration. And I did not only taste them, but eat them, received them entirely, conversed with them intimately. They were welcome to me as food to one that is hungry. I entertained them, digested them, turned them into blood and spirits, and was myself delivered into the mold of these truths which I delivered to others. The bread, the bread, you must feed on it or you will starve. Okay. If you're a Christian, you have to feed on the word or you will starve. That's just the way it is. Corporate teaching, private study. Do it. Discipline yourself to godliness. Okay? <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Got some butter here. Listen, when you go to the Word of God, it should be sweet. And you feed on the Word of God. The bread. And Psalm 19 says what? That it's sweeter than honey and also the drippings of the honeycomb. And I found that word and I did eat it. Stand up, take a bite. (laughs) How's that taste? Yeah. Go home. Fellowship tonight. Not yet. Fellowship tonight. Okay, take in the word. In corporate teaching, go home, go to bed, get up in the morning, feed on the word, take a bite of bread, the butter, the honey. Okay, sometimes your quiet time, it's going to be like that. Sometimes your quiet time, as you read in the morning, it's going to be, oh, this is sweet. This is precious. I just got a good truth. I found out something new. You know what? Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's going to be hard and you're not going to feel like it. Listen to what Jim Elliot, famous missionary martyr, says. I may no longer depend on the pleasant impulses to bring me before the Lord. I must rather respond to the principles I know to be right, whether I feel them to be enjoyable or not. Read it again. I may no longer depend on the pleasant impulses to bring me before the Lord. I must rather respond to the principles I know to be right, whether I feel them enjoyable or not. Sometimes you'll have to discipline yourself. Sometimes you'll want to hit snooze. Often you'll want to hit snooze. You know what? Get out of bed. Study. I wish I could exhort you strongly enough to make you do this, but only the Word of God can. Okay, Come to Cross Life next Friday. Nourished. Don't come fasting. Come nourished on the Word. The question is, will you own this? Will you do this? Will you take the responsibility to find a place in fellowship where you can feed on the Word weekly? People come to me a lot. They say, Tanner, I'm just not getting fed. Well, find a place where you're getting fed then. I'm not angry. I'm just saying, get fed. Okay, get fed. There's good churches. There's men who want to feed you the Word of God. Find one and be fed. And will you supplement that by the preciousness of your own time, focused on the Word daily? Daily in the Word, daily feeding. I've treasured that Word more than my necessary food. I've hidden that Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Go find His words and feast on them. Feed on them. There's a table on your sheet there. Time in the Word. What are you doing currently? Hearing the Word, reading the Word, studying the Word, memorizing the Word, meditating on the Word. Be honest with yourself. Okay, now ask yourself, what do I want to do? Listen, it's not all about quantity, but it is some. <laughs> You've got to be doing it to get something out of it. Okay? You've got to be doing it to get something out of it. How's that bread? It's sweet. 
Okay, go get yourself some. Go find his words and eat them. Why don't you pray with me and the worship team will come up. Lord, thank you for the preciousness of your word. The way even your word talks about your word. It says, sweeter than honey, also the drippings of the honeycomb. Help us to feed. Lord, it's hard. <laughs> it is hard, and sometimes my flesh just flat doesn't want to do it. Lord, help me to be disciplined. Help the body here. Help the flock to be disciplined, to read, to study with diligence, to study to show themselves approved, a workman rightly handling the word of truth. Lord, help them to be under a teacher who feeds them. Help them to get some steak and eggs. Lord, conform us more to the image of your Son. We don't want to know the Bible just only simply for the fact of knowing the Bible. We want to know it because it's your word, it's your mind, it's your law, and we delight in you. And so likewise, we delight in your word, for you have treasured your word. Help us to treasure your word, we pray. In the precious name of your Son, amen. Amen. Thanks, worship team. Brothers and sisters, for leading us in song as we sing together the precious words. Uh, if you're not hungry, get hungry. Get hungry for the word. Okay? Stay after in fellowship. Get to know some folks. There's a lot of familiar faces here tonight, and there's a lot of folks we don't recognize, so stick around. There's uh, Sarah picked up about 20 pizzas out there, and so get some. And uh, get, get in a community group, all right? Remember when I talked about being an island? I like to do that, huh? I know. Me too. But I've learned to be in community. So get in a group, okay? Get, get in fellowship. Get around some other men, women, who you can learn from and follow up with what we've studied. And uh, think about it. Make a commitment. Start reading through the Bible yearly, okay? Take in, start getting built up on the mass of Scripture. Thanks for coming tonight. It's a joy having you guys. It's a joy being here. Andy and I pray and look forward to this all week, and we look forward to seeing you guys same time, same time, or same place next week as we dive into the Word again and look at what it means to be a man or a woman of prayer. Go and uh, hang out. Thanks for coming. See ya.